And there is yet more, amen, like I say many times, there is yet more that God has in store for our church, for our families, for our lives. Uh, I want us to just go to the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. We're not going to take a whole lot of time with preliminaries, uh, but we're going to jump right into the word of the Lord. And if you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 35. Isaiah chapter number 35. And we'll read about eight verses. We'll read possibly ten. We'll read maybe the whole chapter. We'll see how it goes. Uh, But Isaiah chapter 35, and we'll start reading with verse number one. Uh, And here it goes. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Amen. It's a work that God is doing. It shall blossom not just like any other Uh, flower that blossoms, but it shall blossom abundantly. That's the plan that God has in store for the people of God. And rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel uh, and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Amen. This is the joyful flourishing of God's God's kingdom being established on the earth. Um, The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as in heart. Uh, And the tongue of the dumb sing for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert and the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. There is a transformation that's taking place in Isaiah chapter 35 from a wilderness and a solitary place to a place that is lush. Uh, to a place that has running water, a place where there's healing that is taking place, um, and there's many wonderful things happening, and the uh, the glory of the Lord is being seen by all the people around about this particular area. And it begins to wrap up this chapter in verse number 8, and it says like this, And an highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. Amen. It says there shall be a way. There shall be a way. Um, And this way is a clearly marked out way in which all shall be bound to walk. There is a particular path. That God has for his people to walk. And it is a way of safety. It is a way of holiness. It is the way in which God has designated for the people of God to walk. I remember a few years ago. uh, I was a few years younger. uh, A little bit more in shape. And I was very just I like to run a lot. uh, And now I'm not running as much as I used to. But uh, a few years ago we lived in Fremont. And just just up the road was Mission Peak. How many ever heard of Mission Peak? It's a pretty big hill or mountain, however advanced you may, however advanced you are, and you may look at it. Uh, it's really a mountain, 
It's Mission Peak, um, and Mission Peak has, uh, there's a few different ways people, the majority of people go up that mountain to uh, get to the top. And on this mountain, uh, if you take the well-traveled way, it's generally the quicker, safer route to go to get to the top. And I remember uh, my first time there, I didn't really know exactly where, uh, I didn't know exactly which path to take or which route to go. Uh, so I just kind of found the place where the most people had traveled to get to the top of Mission Peak. And I found a well-traveled path. You know a well-traveled path uh, because it's marked. Uh, there's, there's no grass. There's no shrubs. There's no vegetation growing there. You can tell there's footsteps. There's people that have traveled that path. And you know just from being a beginner, being inexperienced, that if I stay on that path, Sister Gina... I'm going to eventually find my way to the top of this mountain. And I'm not going to have to risk life or limb, uh, but it's going to probably be a safe route. There is a marked path, and there was, and I remember uh, a few years ago, like I said, I was a lot more in shape. I actually ran up the top of the mountain. Now I would probably, you know, be at the end crawling or having someone lift me up. Uh, But I ran up there and, you know, did it in record time. um, but it was a lot easier and a lot quicker because I found the path, that well-traveled path. And there is tonight, amen, a well-traveled path that we can go, that we should go as a church. It's what I want to talk about tonight is the highway of holiness. There is a, a marked out path, amen. If you walk in that path, there is safety, there is security, there is comfort in knowing this is the path that God has for me to take. I'm not figuring it out as I go, but I'm allowing God to lead me and God to shine His light on my path. And God places over our lives uh, pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, uh, apostles, people that can show us this is the path that we're to go. This is the way that you take. Brother Nate, if you walk in this path, everything's going to be work. It's going to work out just fine. You're not going to have to worry about all these things happening in your life. But if you stay on the straight and the narrow path, Amen. It's a sure way you're going to get to the top and you're going to get to the promise that God has in store for your life. And here tonight, amen, there is a highway of holiness. Amen. It's not a path that I'm the first one to walk down the road of tonight. It's not a path that you're the first one to hear about it tonight. But there is a a highway of holiness. There is a path that God has prepared for this church. It's a well-traveled path. It's a well-traveled path. The forefathers before myself that have preached behind this pulpit, that have, that have preached in my hearing in years past, they, they've let me know that, Brother Nathan, there's a path that God has for you to walk. And if you stay on this path, this way of holiness, amen, you're not going to experience sudden destruction. But if you stay walking on that highway of holiness, there's safety, there's security for your life. Amen. But it shall be for those, Isaiah 35 and verse 8 says, it shall be for those, rather, is in the margin, amen, he shall be with them, amen. God shall be with those who seek to walk in that way, that perfect way that God has uh, prepared for us, and not to err from it. Amen. God wants to direct us. God wants to support his people and sustain their footsteps if we walk in that way of holiness. And we're going to begin 
Amen. By the grace of God, a few series of lessons on that subject of holiness. And tonight it's a highway of holiness. It is a path, a way of holiness that God has designated for the people of God. Amen. I want us to turn to Leviticus chapter number 11. If you have your Bibles, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the third book of the Bible. Leviticus chapter 11 and verse number 44. Leviticus chapter 11, verse number 44 and 45. Whoever gets it first can read it out loud. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. 45. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. There is a requirement in the scriptures in Leviticus 11, 44 and 45 is just one example of the many scriptures that are in the Bible uh, that require the people of God to be holy as God is holy. Uh, there is there is such a requirement in the scriptures that we are to be holy because God is holy. Uh, if I were to ask if I were to ask you tonight, what is the one attribute of God? That people uh, have heard of the most describes God. If you were to give me one word, what would be the one attribute that you would say in your mind or generally encapsulates the attribute of God? What is that descriptor? Love. Who said that? Love. We hear that so much. And it's true. God is love. But I want to point out to you something tonight that love is mentioned in Scripture 310 times. That's a lot. That is, that the love of God is it's throughout the Scripture. But holy, the word holy, is mentioned in Scripture 611 times. Twice the amount, almost twice the amount of that love is mentioned. The word holy is mentioned in Scripture. Amen. There is an emphasis in Scripture that God is holy. Amen. Is there any scripture in the Bible that you can recall uh, in your, your study of the Word of God or hearing preachings that the scripture describes God as love, love, love? Anybody have no scripture in the Bible where it says God is love, love, love? Does anybody know a scripture where it says He's holy, holy, holy? How many have heard that scripture? Holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord God Almighty. Why is that? That's because God wants to emphasize. Yes, he is God of love. And that's a wonderful, powerful attribute. And we're thankful for the love of God. But beyond that, and even more powerful than that, is the revelation that God is holy, holy, holy. He's a holy God. And he wants us to never forget that. Throughout the scriptures, he, he, he wove it through the scriptures. He's a holy, holy, holy God. And to almost twice the amount of times is the word holy mentioned and the word love. And that's not to uh, discount the attribute of the love of God, uh, but that is to magnify the, it, the importance of his holiness. And that God is a holy God. And he's not just holy so we can look at him and say he's holy, but he's holy so that we can look at him and say, I want to be holy like he's holy. Amen. Be ye holy for I am holy, saith the Lord in Leviticus 
chapter 11. Holiness is not totally inherent after just receiving the Holy Ghost. It must be taught. Amen. That's why we're doing what we're doing tonight and for the next few weeks. Amen. Is because holiness must be taught. It's not something that you receive the Holy Ghost on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night and, and you walk away and say, I'm holy as I'll ever be. There's things that we need to have the word taught in our lives. For anything to be properly learned, you not only must have the right answers, but also the right principles. Amen. The word of God, uh, as it relates to holiness, it must be taught, learned and acted upon for it to really work in our lives. It's not even enough to just come and hear a preacher, uh, hear the, your pastor, amen, get behind the pulpit and teach about holiness. But you've got to uh, not just be taught it, you've got to learn it for yourself. You've got to take the word of God back home and say, is what he's preaching, is that in the book? Does that make sense? And furthermore, once you see that it, it, there is application to your life, the responsibility is upon the people of God to act upon it and say, I've got to be holy. I'm going to begin to search the areas of my life. I'm going to begin to examine the areas of my life. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to look at them in the mirror of the word of God. God is, is my actions, is my words, is my behavior. Is it, is it reflected? God is reflecting the holiness and the glory of God. Amen. You will find, amen, that the more you pray, the more you fast, the more you get in the scriptures, you begin to doubt everything to the word, to the, to the mirror, the, uh, the filter of the word of God. You begin to think, here I am, looking at this, listening to this. Is God pleased with this? And I guarantee you, God is probably speaking to you that. There's a reason for it. Amen. God wants us to be holy. God wants us, the Bible says, now let a man examine himself. Amen. There's got to be self-examination. Is the life that I'm living is the, is the behaviors that I'm exhibiting, is it reflecting the holiness of God? True holiness in the heart begins by understanding the principles of true holiness in mind and spirit. Amen. We already talked about how the holiness of God is, uh, is mentioned more times in Scripture than the word love is. And, and that is because the, the holiness of God is oftentimes designated as the attribute of attributes of God. The holiness of God is the attribute of attributes. It is stressed in Scripture more than any other. God's holiness is the absolute bedrock from which all rights and wrongs derive their definition. That is seen in uh, just the two tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. Amen. Reflecting the uh, principles of the holiness of God. Amen. They're, they're reflecting uh, and based off the, the precepts, the principles in those Ten Commandments. It forms the bedrock of American society. and it's, a, it's understanding what's right, what's wrong. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not bear false witness. And, and on down the line, and that is, is an outflow of the holiness of God. And God wants us to be holy. God wants us to practice, amen, uh, the holiness of God. And it becomes a bedrock for an entire society, an entire nation. And God's holiness is still the absolute bedrock for our lives. And I would tell you, amen, a holiness in God is conformity to his own perfect nature. Holiness is conformity to the nature of God. 
It's not conforming to the uh, the ideologies and the philosophies of this world. And, and I watch something on television, so I realize that that's probably okay. I need to be accepting of everybody and have this diversity and, and all these different things. Amen. Holiness is reflecting the nature of God. It's conforming to God's own perfect nature. And if, it, if I see it in the Word of God, I've got to apply it to my life. If I see something else, the antithesis of the holiness of God out, outside of this this, these four walls and I've got to reject that and say I've got to be holy because I want to be conforming to the nature of God I want to be like he is amen somebody say praise the Lord, praise the Lord. amen we are however empowered through the Holy Ghost to return to holiness amen it's only through the infilling of the Holy Ghost that we can begin to approach the holiness of God and God begins to lead us and God begins to guide us that the Bible says that the Spirit of God shall lead you into all things it will teach you all things amen it is that vehicle it is it is taking us to where God wants us to go and that's why it's so important that when we pray we don't just pray to get a few tingly goosebumps but we pray till we're talking in tongues we pray till we're speaking in tongues we pray till we're full of the Holy Ghost and God is strengthening us God is Helping us. God is moving in our lives. Amen. We can't do without the Holy Ghost. We can't make it without the Holy Ghost. Uh, it's in the book of Isaiah chapter 6. In verse number 1. It talks about in the year that King Isaiah died. I saw so the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims. And, and they cried holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. Which was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. Amen. Isaiah 57 and 15 refers to the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. Whose name is holy. His name is holy. He's a holy God. H-O-L-Y. He's a holy God. And there are, for a few moments, just want to talk briefly on rules and principles. Rules defined are a prescribed guide for conduct or action. We all know what rules are. Perhaps Jack and Maddie have heard a few rules in their house of what they're supposed to do, and they know what a rule is. Amen. I remember uh, hearing about uh, the generation before me. Jack and Maddie, you guys will appreciate this. The generation before your parents, you know, when they went to school, if they acted up, they got a ruler across the knuckles. And that was not fun. That was when they broke the rules. We're not talking about rules tonight. We're talking about principles. Uh, we, have in, we have rules in several areas of our lives, in our homes, in our schools. Um, in schools, you're not supposed to talk out of turn. In your job, you're supposed to show up on time. And there's a set of uh, projects you're supposed to complete in a timely manner. And there's rules in business dealings you're not supposed to uh, you have false advertising. There's all these rules that you got to apply, you got to live by. But then there's also principles. Principles. And it's the reason for which the rule exists. There's a principle. There's a reason why. Mom and dad says, go to bed by 8.30 p.m. It's you think it's just a rule. Man, they're making me live by all these rules. 
But there's a reason. There, that's the principle. The principle is a reason behind it. The reason behind it. In other words, it's the reason why the rule exists in the first place. One rule, for example, is don't speed. How many have been guilty of that? Amen. Amen. The rule is don't speed. The principle is that speeding creates an atmosphere in which accidents can occur. The rule is don't touch the hot stove. The principle is it's hot and it will burn you. There's a reason behind it. We have in the scriptures we mentioned a moment ago the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were rules, but they were based upon principles. They were rules, but they were based upon principles. Thou shalt have no other gods before me is the rule. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's the rule that God set in stone. The principle is that he alone is God and he should be revered as such. He wants the glory to himself. That's the principle. The rule is thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or bow down before it. That's the rule. But the principle is that God is a jealous God and is the only one to be worshipped. Another commandment thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain is the rule. The principle is that his name is primary to the expression of who he is. And as such, it is a holy name. And we're not to desecrate the holy name of God, the holiness of God. The Sabbath, remember, the Sabbath to keep it holy is the rule. And the principle is God created a day of rest for the benefit of man. Honor thy father and mother is a rule. Honor thy father and thy mother. And the principle is one. Of respecting and honoring the authority that God has placed you under in the home. Thou shalt not kill is the rule. And the principle is that God alone is the giver of life. And he alone will be the taker of it. There's a reason behind what we see sometimes as just rules and, and regulations and mandates. There's a reason behind it. And if, if we only look at the things of God with the carnal uh, with the carnal eye, we, we just see rules and we see we can't do this and we can't do that. And, and man, we can't even do this. And all of a sudden something comes up and oh, I can't do that. I got this. I, I got I got my pastor preaching this and my mom and dad telling me this. And, and somebody else in the church is looking at me sideways if I do that. And, and we see it as a rule. But there's a principle behind it. There's a reason that God placed Things in the scriptures so that you would not be harmed, so that you would be blessed. Thou shalt not commit adultery is the rule. The principle is that marriage is sacred to God and is to be viewed as a lifelong commitment. Thou shalt not steal the rule. The principle that man should only have what is rightfully his. And uh, the last two commandments, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That's the rule. The principle is that God hates a lying tongue. Thou shalt not covet is the rule. And the principle, finally, is that God shall supply all your needs. If we're coveting somebody else's stuff, it's because we're not satisfied with what we have. And we're not trusting God to supply what we need. Sometimes we think, I need more. I need more. But... The Apostle Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm, I am in. I am trusting in the Lord. Rules and principles are contrasted. Holiness is not intended to be, nor should it be, a bunch of rules. 
but rather it is a way of life or a lifestyle based on principles that are explained in the word of God. And we want to attempt to explain some of those principles tonight and in the ensuing weeks uh, of what holiness is and its application to our lives. Amen. It is a lifestyle based upon principles found in the word of God. If we are not careful, we will confuse the issue by becoming ensnared in the rule and not searching out the principle. Why did God put certain things in the Bible? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they looked at the scriptures with, as there was rules and regulations and they began to, uh, everything was uh, looked at with such scrutiny. They wanted to obey the letter of the law to such an extent that they could not even allow someone to eat that was dying on the side of the road on the Sabbath day. They began to look at it with as rules and regulations, but not as the principle, the reason why God put it there. Amen. If we're not careful, we'll confuse the issue by becoming ensnared in the rule and not searching out the principle. And within the church, amen, myself as the pastor, I have to set standards of holiness that are based upon biblical principles. Amen. God has given me a responsibility to preach and to teach. Amen. Principles of holiness. Amen. And, and to set a standard of holiness. Amen. There's a reason a, why in, a, in our church and in other Pentecostal apostolic churches, not just anyone comes onto the platform to minister. Because there's a standard that we have set, a standard of holiness, a standard of, uh, of being filled with the Holy Ghost, a standard of uh, uh, there's different things in the scripture that are based on principles. And we, we cannot sow confusion and we've got to abide by the principles found in the word of God. And God has given this authority to the ministry to help the church. For instance, the book of Acts chapter 20 and 28, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. Amen. I will give a responsibility before God for the message that I preach, the, the things that I teach. I will give an account before God. If I see things taking place or what, what, whatever, what have you, or I feel God laying things on my heart. Amen. I have an obligation, responsibility to preach and to teach. Amen. What's in the scripture. Hebrews 13 and 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Amen. It is submission. There's going to be times in the course of a, of a service, uh, of a teaching or preaching, you're going to, I don't like that. I don't like that. And it's going to be your own flesh. Just, ooh. But if you learn to submit, God, I don't fully understand everything. God, I, I don't like that sometimes, but God, I'm going to submit myself. God, that thing that he's asking me, the pastor's asking me is hard. But God, I'm going to submit myself. God, I'm going to put my life and I'm going to say, God, it's yours. Not my will, but your will be done. And as we submit ourselves, amen, to the preaching, to the teaching, uh, to my leadership, as I submit myself to my pastor's leadership, amen, I am making it a joy 
for the leadership in my life. And you make it a joy for my, for me to pastor every one of you. Uh, and it will be profitable for your life. There are, there are times, amen, just uh, in the course of life where you encounter a situation, you think, I don't, I don't agree with that, what the pastor's saying. I know there's scriptures, but I don't like it. But if you'll, if you'll have a right spirit, say, God, I'm going to submit myself. I'm not going to react in spite. I'm just going to submit myself. God will bless that spirit. God will bless that heart. God will bless that attitude and that mindset. God will bless your family for the submission that you have to the authority of the ministry. The Old Testament, as we're quickly wrapping up here, the Old Testament definition of holiness in every instance or of use, the word means sacred, consecrated, dedicated, hallowed. It's to respect greatly or to set apart for holy use. Amen. Something that is holy is something that is set apart. Such as in the tabernacle, there were vessels that were used in the tabernacle. There were specific instruments that were used in the tabernacle for the use of the ministry. God put his uh, stamp of approval. God put his uh, God attached himself to those those instruments in the tabernacle. And you might remember a story uh, where one of the uh, heathen nations uh, subdued the people of God and and gathered all the tabernacle instruments. And I don't re- don't recall off the top of my head at this moment uh, the name of that particular king. But the Bible says on a particular occasion, on a particular occasion, on a party, the king of that heathen nation called for the vessels of the tabernacle and said, bring those in. We're going to have some fun. We're going to party and we're going to drink wine from those cups. And the Bible says that as he was partying the night away, making a mockery of the holy things of God, that I believe it was, y'all correct me if I'm wrong later, but God pronounced judgment upon that king that night. God pronounced judgment upon him because God wants us to reverence the holy things of God. And there is also a scripture in the Bible that says, What know ye not that your bodies are the temple of God? Your body is a temple of God. God wants us to view our bodies and to view our lives and our, our attitudes, our, our mindsets, our thoughts. Uh, they've got to be holy. They're, they're, they're dedicated to the things of God. When I was younger, amen, I was privileged. I was blessed enough that my mom and dad, they took me to an altar as a little crying baby uh, in diapers. And they dedicated me to the Lord. And they said, God, we're giving Nathaniel, Caleb. Camarine, we're giving to you, God, all the days of his life. We're putting him in your hands, God. We want you to, we want you to take his life. And we want you to keep him. And we want you to bless him. And we want you to use him. And God, they dedicated me to the Lord. And I, from that day forward, amen, they, they trained me in the ways of God and the fear of the Lord. And to, to live holy, to live righteously, to live soberly in the fear of God. And another day came in my life. Where I made my way to an altar. And I said, God, I know mom and dad did that years ago. But God, right now, right here, it's just me and you, God. I'm giving myself to you, God. I'm dedicating my life to you. Mom and dad did what they did years ago. But God, right now, it's me and you, God. And I'm saying, God, I want to be holy. God, I want to live my life for you. God, I want to serve you. And I've dedicated my life to God. And, I, and I've asked God to help me. And I've asked God to use me. 
and, and I've got to watch my lifestyle. I've got to watch my attitude. I've got to watch the words that come out of my mouth. I've got to watch the places I go and the things that I do and, and the people I hang around with and the way that I dress and the things that I listen to and the things that I watch and, and all the different things that make up living life. Amen. I've got to look at them through the lens of God. I want to be holy. I want to be like you, God. I want to be pleasing before you, Lord. I want to have the holiness of God in my life. Hallelujah. When people look at the abundant life center of Latham, and they look at the Hall family, and they look at the Chapmans, and, and they look at the Dooleys, and they look at all the families in Abundant Life Center, and they, they begin to look, and they begin to say, is that a holy church? And they should be able to pick it up in the first few moments. That's a holy, separate people. They don't look like anybody else, but they look like the true, the genuine people of God. And it's readily apparent on the outward because what's on the inside comes out. What's on the inside reflects on the outside. What's on the inside reflects on the outside. It will come forth. And we've got to be holy. The New Testament definitions of holiness, there are, there are many, but for the sake of time, we're going to go through a few final verses and then we'll be, com- we'll be wrapped up here tonight. It's in the book of Acts chapter 3 and verse 12. Brother Tim, if you'd go there and read that for us. Amen. Acts chapter 3 and verse number 12. All right. Acts chapter 3 and 12 as he's preparing that. Sister Gina, if you'll get 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people. Ye men of Israel, why, why marvel ye at this? Or why ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power and holiness we had made this walk, or this man to walk? So they said, why are you looking at us so earnestly, as though by our own power or holiness? A definition found right in the scripture is holiness is synonymous with godliness. It's not just by my own godliness that uh, you know some things happen, but there's there's that connection in Acts three and twelve, holiness and godliness. It's being devout. Uh, one of the definitions, even right there, of holiness is godliness. Second Corinthians chapter seven and one, Sister Gina. Holiness is there's a connection in Second Corinthians, or as one man said, two Corinthians. In two Corinthians seven and one, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Flesh and spirit, and directly connected to perfecting holiness in the fear of God. There's a connection with holiness. And the flesh and the spirit. Holiness is not just inward. It's not just spirit. But it's flesh. It's also manifested on the outside. And the definition here is there's a quality of sacredness relating to moral purity. True holiness on the inside will manifest itself through outward actions. To be immoral is to be unholy. 
And we mentioned a moment ago, the body is the temple of God and as such should be treated with reverence and respect. God cannot and will not dwell in an unclean temple. God cannot and will not dwell in an unclean temple. You say, what is unclean temple? If you've been polluting your mind all day long with things of this world, things that you watch on television, things that you listen to, uh, worldly music or things that you're listening, you're, you're watching in a mag, and looking at a magazine or or just corrupt communications. The Bible says is going to begin to corrupt that cleanness on the inside, and you're going to begin to find if you. I remember as a as a kid, I loved playing basketball. I loved playing basketball. Sister Dooley, your your kids love playing basketball on the basketball court. I, I found a new struggle I had to deal with in life because on the basketball court. Every time a young man misses a shot or gets uh, swatted or whatever, a cuss word comes right out of their mouth. And you're playing basketball and you're, you know, you're playing and you, you got to, you're hearing those words. You're like, man, it's going to ignore that. I'm just going to, you know. And then you find yourself in a difficult situation later on during the day or later on in the week. And you stub your toe and right there, almost on your lips, is that cuss word that you've been hearing. And it, wanted, it wants to come out. You've been feeding your mind. You've been feeding. Uh, you've been hanging out with the wrong people. Uh, and I remember as a young man, I struggled with that. It was ooh, right there, and I had to refrain myself, and I had to hold. I had to bite my tongue. Uh, and the times that I did slip, I had to ask the Lord, God, forgive me. God, help me. God, I don't want to. I don't want to struggle with this all my life. I've got to overcome this. And I've got to guard myself. And I want, I want to be holy. I want what's on the inside to reflect on the outside. And so as, as I begin to uh, uh, listen to preaching throughout the day on cassette or CD or podcast or whatever, I find myself later on in the day beginning to think about the things of God. Uh, instead of thinking about all these other things and all this other trash that's going on in the world. And it, there's a connection. What's on the inside comes off, reflects on the outside. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 10, the last scripture for tonight. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 10 says, For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. For they verily... For a few days, chasten us after their pleasure, but he for our profit. Sometimes the chastening of the Lord is for, it's the chastening of the Lord is always for our profit. God wants us to profit. God wants us to be blessed. God wants to help us. And in the process of chastening, we begin to strip away from ourselves things that corrupt us. We begin to lay aside weights and sins. And push aside things because we say, God, I've got to be like you are. I've got to be holy. I want holiness of life and character. I want it outward and I want it inward. If we could stand to our feet, amen, I want us to just uh, take a few moments here tonight. Amen. I know we're not... um,